one worthy. There is no one like our God. I hope that there's no other reason that you and I are here tonight. And I hope as we begin this mailbox series, a letter that we received from Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written first to the people that lived in Romans. It is a very wonderful book from many standpoints and many angles of which we could study it. But tonight and for several Sunday nights, I want you to think with me about who is God. Did you know that the word God is mentioned more often in the book of Romans than any other book in the Bible by far? 163 times we read the name God. That ends up averaging once every 46 words. Imagine that. If you were just going to sit down and count the words in the book of Romans, you would count to 46 and you would read God. And you'd count 46 more and you'd count, you would read God upon average. And it's not just things that, that you might say are, are random or worthless thoughts about God, but it's things that help us know who God is. God is revealed to us through His Word. On these next couple of slides, I want to read to you quotes out of the book of Romans. And these are things that if you and I, as we read through the book of Romans over the next few weeks, these are things that we could be looking for to learn more of God. We read phrases like power of God, wrath of God, judgment of God, righteousness of God, promise of God, grace of God, law of God, children of God. We read about the purpose of God, the word of God. And again, these are quotes the goodness and severity of God. We read about the will of God, the glory of God, the ministers of God. But tonight we want to go back to Romans, the first chapter, and we want to look at the power, the power of God. What is it that we should learn about power? First, I'd like to take just a few moments and I'd like to just get your minds churning about really what is power. Recently, we saw Hurricane Sandy come in and, and we feel for those that suffered loss. But what we saw in that was that we saw that there was great power. A storm that the winds, they spanned 1,100 miles in width. Storms that came in from the Atlantic Ocean into the northeast part of America in a category two. $75 billion worth of damage, 285 lives lost in several countries because of this storm. When we see this storm, we can't help but think, how powerful can wind and rain and waves be when they come at great force? I would guess almost every boy and every man is somewhat intrigued with a locomotive. If any of you have ever moved dirt or, or, or rocks with a wheelbarrow, you can't help but appreciate a locomotive. How powerful is something that can move hundreds and hundreds of thousands of tons by just one engine, by one locomotive? Or we think about the power of money. You might not like to admit it, but there's a lot of power in money. If you want to eat out tonight, you're either going to have money or you're not going to eat out. You're going to buy a banquet for a thousand people. You're going to have to have a lot of money or you don't have the, the power to throw a banquet for a lot of people. You want to be president of the United States of America? You're going to have to have a lot of backers with a lot of money or you can't be president of the United States of America. 
Money is one of the most frequent motivators, power motivators in all of America today. This room, perhaps, and definitely this community is full of individuals that will set their alarm clock to go into work tomorrow at a job they don't particularly enjoy, and they will work eight to ten hours, and the only reason they're doing it is for money. Money is powerful. The beauty of a woman is powerful. God created this beauty, and women can take and create, allow God to create inner beauty in them, and that power is done in an amazing way. But there can be a a perverted, a lack of holiness on the inside of that woman. And that power, according to Proverbs, the seventh chapter, he warned his son, do not go down the paths because her paths are the way to hell. And he said, many, think about power here. He says, many strong men have died in her paths. We see the most powerful gun that's ever been created I'm sorry, let me back up to that one right there. We see the most powerful weapon that's ever been created, the USSR Big Ivan bomb. It was detonated on a remote island out in the Arctic Ocean. The blast was 10 times greater, 10 times greater than all the munitions set off during World War II combined. A 40-mile radius of the epicenter was completely annihilated. We see the most powerful gun, electromagnetic laboratory rail gun. It can shoot 200 miles and hit a target within 6.5 feet. That would be firing a target from Manhattan and hitting a billboard in downtown Boston. We see the most powerful computer, the Roadrunner by IBM. It can do 1 million billion calculations per second. One million billion calculations per second. You would take a hundred thousand of the fastest laptops and it would get somewhere close to equaling that one computer. Powerful. The most powerful animal per body weight is a rhinoceros beetle. It can lift 850 times its own weight. That would be a 150 pound person bench pressing 127,500 pounds. That would be the equivalent to a person bench pressing 36 Toyota Camrys. The most powerful engine is in a large container ship. It has 108,920 horsepower. If you took 213 of the most powerful Ferraris and put their horsepower together, that's the power that you're talking about. I don't know if I touched on anything in all of that where you say, oh, now I'm thinking power. But listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For something to be put into motion, the law of cause and effect is that that sets it in motion has to be greater than that which is in motion. How great is our God? To set a universe into motion that we do not even know the ends of the universe. We can't even begin to comprehend in our mind the scope of it. And the truth is, the universe is not the most magnificent thing about the power of God. I want to give you one biblical example and we go right back to, to Romans, the first chapter. Do you remember when Elijah wanted to prove to the prophets of Baal that their God was powerless? And so we told them, let's put offerings on our altars and you go first. 
First Kings, the 18th chapter, you cry out to your God and let your God bring down fire and consume it. And they cried out all the morning long and they could not get their God to answer. And Elijah stepped out and he called fire from the almighty God. And he brought down fire that not only ignited the offering, but the altar itself. And it was such a hot powerful fire that it burned up the rocks, lapped up the water, and even the dust surrounding it. Everybody that day knew how powerful God is. He hasn't lost any power. He's just as powerful today. Look with me, if you will, in Romans, the first chapter. I'd like for you to see what Paul wants us to see just shortly out of the gate here in the book of Romans. And the truth is, we're going to be able to see in Romans, the first chapter in verse 16, it wasn't just right out of the gate in the 16th verse, but it even goes back to the first few verses. But first, let's see it out of the 16th verse. Notice what he says in Romans 1 and 16. I know many of you know this well, but please read it with fresh eyes tonight. Notice what he says, for I'm, this is Paul, I'm not ashamed. Paul, what are you not ashamed of? Of the gospel of Christ. For it, talking about the gospel, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Notice here how how we have the power of God. And then we can say, Paul, out of all the power of God, what do you want us to think about right now as we read here about the power of God? And notice how he puts it between two great other thoughts. He says, I want you to think about the gospel of Christ. And I want you to think about salvation. See, it's right there in verse 16. And right between the gospel and salvation, he says, it's the power of God. I heard a very uh, older elderly man scholarly speak this past week. And he kept using the word gospeling. And he says, we've got to gospel. We've got to be about gospeling. And what he meant by that was the word gospel means good news. And the heart of everything that's been brought to us of God through Jesus Christ is good news. And when we go about our life, are we taking the gospel? The way we worship tonight, do we worship as if we believe in the gospel? Do we believe in the good news? Well, what is the good news? Don't turn there, but just listen real quick. First Corinthians, the 15th chapter. He says in verse one, I went into you and I presented to you the gospel. In verse two, he says, you were saved by it. And then he tells what that gospel was. He says it was about the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And twice in those verses, he keeps saying, according to the scriptures, the scriptures brings us good news. And the good news is God came down in flesh. Now I'm going to say some things right now. Now there's no way we can fully comprehend, but we can all try to appreciate it. And then and we, when we sing these songs over the next few minutes, let's try to grasp how important the gospel message is. And that gospel message is God became flesh. Try to let that sink in. Incarnation. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And he lived a perfect life. He must be perfect so that he could be the sacrifice for our atonement. And he lived a perfect life. It's it's hard to imagine God becoming flesh. It's hard to imagine a human living a perfect life. But then he died and was buried. 
And what the gospel continues to tell us is that God's power was proven not just because he could create a universe, not because he could create a beautiful sunrise. His power is proven because of the resurrection of Christ. Listen, if you and I don't linger at the open tomb, if we do not understand how precious and valuable and powerful the resurrection is, we're missing it. We're missing it all. Go to the grave of the one you love. Call them back just to spend five minutes with you. And you know already what the answer to that is. We can't do it. And you're exactly right. No one has power over death except God. And Jesus Christ brought us that power through his resurrection. Listen, scientists can't even create a one cell organism. Man cannot create life. Man cannot resurrect life. And now we're back to power. Who is the only one that has that power? I want to close this session right here by us reading how Paul would open this. And I'm not going to make many comments, but I want you to just look that he opens up the first few verses of the gospel, of the, gospel the good news of Romans, by saying, I want to remind you that Jesus came to this earth. He took on flesh. He lived. He died. He was resurrected. Let's read Romans 1. Verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. The gospel was powerful enough to change Paul's life, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. That gospel was prophesied in the Old Testament. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born. That's right. He was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. He's incarnated. And declared to be the son of God with what? Power. According to what? The spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we receive grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nation for his name. Among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and Lord, Jesus Christ. You want grace? You want peace? We cannot have it unless we have found it through the powerful God who became flesh, lived perfectly, sacrificed himself for us, and rose again. And it's by that gospel we worship Him tonight. Don't sing these songs unless you're going to sing them to God and praise Him for the gospel that He has brought to us. Let's stand and proclaim God's power together. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we
let's really focus in on the power of God as we take our requests before him, especially those who are sick in this congregation. Let's think about his power as we pray. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, how great thou art and how awesome is your love for us. Father, we thank you for the joy and the peace and the comfort we have, knowing that because of your Son and the sacrifice of his life on the cross, we have the hope and promise of a life eternal in heaven with you. Father, we thank you for loving us so much. Even though we were sinners, you sacrificed your Son. What an awesome love that is. Father, we're so blessed by you. And we thank you, Father, for all the blessings we enjoy in life. Father, we thank you for this wonderful country we live in, the freedoms that we enjoy in this country, Father. Father, we're troubled by those in our country who would use those freedoms, Father, for evil instead of good. Father, there are those in our country in the name of freedom who destroy innocent babies. Father, there are those in the name of freedom, this blessing we have, that would use it to destroy marriage by creating it as an institution between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Father, we pray that you will defeat these efforts. Father, we marvel at your power and your awesomeness. Father, we pray that you will defeat those who would use this blessing for evil. We pray that we will use this blessing, Father, for good. That this wonderful good news, this wonderful gospel will be spread throughout this world and we'll know that this gospel has spread. Everybody might hear that your son died for all of us, Father. We thank you for that. Father, we're mindful of those of our family here at Mount Juliet, those who are hurting, those who are suffering. Father, we pray your blessings of comfort on the families of Sylvia Taylor. We pray that you'll comfort them, Father, through this time of grieving and loss and help us, Father, to do all we can to reach out to these families, Father. We pray for those of our number that are sick, those who are hurting physically. We pray for your blessings of healing upon Joey Banks, Macy Louise Beard, Pamela Sue Burchett, Greg Bowersock, Pat Bradshaw, James Cawthon, Shirley Clegg, Cecil Davis, David Eakes, Randall Farrell, Jim Gregory, Loretta Haley, Jennifer Hartis, Anita Hazelwood, Jeannie Johnson, Mark Jones, Carl Kelly, Doug Lassiter, June Merriweather, Rusty Morrow, Bill Myers, Philip Nanny, Laurie Richards, Frank Richardson, Bobby Slusher, Marilyn Springer, Jimmy Tate, Tansy Trawick, Donovan Walden, Jim and Elizabeth Willis, and Rabel Vaden. We pray for those of our family who are confined to their homes, our nursing homes, unable to join us this night. We pray for your blessings upon them, Father, your blessings of comfort and a good night tonight upon Francis Bradshaw, Wayne Cantrell, Jean Clark, Janice Copley, Paul and Christine Garten, Margaret George, Norma Rose, Elsie Tharp, Viva Witcher, Kate Bland, Doyle and Mary Boucher, David Malicote, Sharon Prater, Gordon Rice, Thomas Rice, Eileen Spurlock, Dean Williamson, Laurie Autry, 
Nita Bain, Patricia Clark Blevins, Cora Cobb, Reba Davis, Geraldine Doris, Inez Durham, Sarah Goodrich, Jean Gully, Kathleen Arable, Anna Randall, Bernie Whitaker, and Francis Young. We have those who are at home or waiting surgeries or procedures. We pray your blessings of healing upon Charlie Apple, Marion Connor, Annette Crunk, Richards Hawkins, Errol Hayes, Ruth Purdom, Clara Shannon, Joshua Smith, Laura Smith, Jan Mitchell, Jerry Reasonover and Bonnie Stone, Jack Stanfield, Sonny Tillman, and Dylan Whitaker. Father, we thank you so much for the blessings you've given to us. We thank you, Father, for the blessings of prayer. We have the ability to take our concerns and our heart to you, Father. We thank you for that wonderful blessing. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Singing's absolutely beautiful, and let's continue to focus on God's powers. We sing and look for the message in each of these songs. Holy, holy, holy.
might be a new song, but it's uh, really, really powerful. The words are powerful. It's, again, talking about uh, God's power. So let's all sing out. Sing out, especially if you know it. The Lord reigns. He is the mighty God. The Lord God.
then David will come back up and extend the invitation. If you would, join me in standing if it's convenient for you. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never
the power of God. We see it in the gospel. And it brings salvation. But I'd like for you to think about three things that could not be possible if it were not for the power of God. Number one, we would not have the new covenant. We learn in Hebrews, the ninth chapter in 16 and 17, that blood had to be shed, that one had to die before that will, that testament could come into effect. Jesus Christ's death brought us a beautiful covenant that reveals to us this gospel, this good news. Now, throughout the ages, men have tried to destroy this. But first Peter The first chapter makes it very clear in 23, 24, and 25 that it will endure, that it cannot be destroyed. And of course it hasn't. Why? Because God is powerful. When we read in Romans the first chapter, as we just read in 16, the power to save, we read in verse 18 that our sins stir the wrath of God. We read in Romans the third chapter in verse 23 that all of us are sinners. Now, are you getting this? All of us are sinners. We've stirred the wrath of God. Is there going to be any hope? And in Romans 3 and 24 and 25, we learn that Jesus Christ's death redeemed us. Listen. You take all of the money in the world and God can make it look like a child's piggy bank. Jesus Christ's redemption is far more valuable, far more powerful than anything we have or will ever know. It's because of the gospel we can be saved. But third, I'd like for you to see this. When God saves, He places the saved into a kingdom. If it were not for the gospel, that kingdom could not exist. That kingdom was purchased, according to Acts 20 and 28, by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to read to you one passage in Daniel, the second chapter that was prophesied about the church. And in Daniel 2 and 44... And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Now, this was just after the prophecy that the Babylonian kingdom would rise. And if we would have seen her in her glory days, we would say, this is powerful. But God says she'll fall. And then the Mede and and, and the Persian kingdom, if we would have seen her in her glory days, we would have said, she's powerful, but she fell. And then he's speaking about the Roman time period here. And if we would have seen the Roman empire in her glory days, we would have said, she's powerful, but she fell. And God says it's during that time period that the Roman Empire is going to exist, that I'm going to raise up a kingdom. It will never fall. It will always stand. No man can shake it. No man can almost destroy it. It's certain. This past week, I sat on a panel that discussed cultural issues that are facing the church. And it always bothers me to talk about those things because I'm reminded that if we continue down this path, we're on the path of all nations that God allowed to be destroyed. And so this morning, not even thinking about this lesson, 
I was just thinking about how I hate that situation. I wish we could wake up the church to moral living. I wish we could wake up the church to love purity and holiness, modesty, godliness. I wish we could wake up America to the beauty of the institution of marriage as God designed it. What if there were no sexual relations outside of a married husband and wife and our culture? Can you imagine how beautiful it would be? I want to confess to you that my thought was, as America goes down this path, could we convince people to all with morals move to a certain nation and we could enjoy not experiencing that destruction. And then, within seconds of thinking that, I kind of grinned in my thoughts and then kind of corrected myself in like a punishing type of way and say, David, the Lord has already given that nation. It's His kingdom. His kingdom's not going to fall. His kingdom will stand forever. And nations will rise up like America that will say, look how powerful she is. She'll never fall and she will. You can raise up families and say, look how great this family is. But you'll go to funerals and you'll see destruction. But friends, there is a gospel that brings the opportunity to be a part of a kingdom that will never fall. And so as we sing this song of invitation, I want you to think about where your citizenship is. Where are you pointing your life? Where are you pointing your family? And as long as we're there, everything that matters the most is all right. Let's all leave here tonight a faithful, loyal member, citizen of Christ's kingdom. We read about it in a gospel that He died to give us. And we can become a part of it by salvation that He died and resurrected to bring to us. And we can be a part of the kingdom that is because of that gospel. Truly, our God is powerful. There's not anything you've done that He can't forgive. This evening, if you're ready to be immersed into Christ or you're ready to come back, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing.
powerful service and what a powerful God we serve. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. We want to be a people who relies upon God. We want to be a church that believes strongly in God's power. And so tonight, if there's anyone who would like to ask for prayers, uh, we have a couple of elders that will be waiting in the library that's directly behind the information desk in the very center of the hall. And uh, if anyone has need of prayers, um, that's what they're here for. And that's what we're all here for, just pray for one another and help each other get to heaven. Uh, But we especially want you to have that opportunity with our elders to pray. So while we sing this last song, uh, you can be dismissed, as well as those who did not get to take the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, It's been prepared in a room that is behind the library. So if you keep going back there, you'll find your way and, um, and get that taken care of. Thank you for being with us today and hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, it's been wonderful to worship God. Uh, the singing has been amazing, especially from where I'm standing. So I guess you can be a little jealous of me, but um, thank you so much for singing out tonight. Um, I know you don't do it for me, you do it for the Lord who sits on the throne. Uh, but I hope that our, spirit, our spirits tonight were heard by him and uh, our worship was pleasing. We'll sing this song and we'll be dismissed. I love you, Lord, and I as we approach your throne of grace at this time we thank you for the many many blessings you bestow upon us each and every day that we take for granted we thank you for our health we thank you for the ability you've given us to earn a living but we're especially thankful for our greatest blessing and the blessing of your son Jesus who came to this earth lived his life so unselfishly and gave that life on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins Father Father we ask you to please be with the sick those with lost loved ones, Father. Father, we're especially thankful for the elders, deacons, and ministers that we have here in Mount Juliet and for their families and the sacrifices that they give up in, to helping to lead this congregation. And Father, we ask you to please bless them. Father, we ask you to be with us throughout the rest of this week. May we always say and do everything in accordance with your will, Father, and be a positive, shining light for everyone else around us. Father, we ask you to go with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.